I'm Jim Sammons, and welcome to the Kayak Fishing Show Live. As always, brought to you by Ballast Point Brewing Company. Ooh, this is the fun one I get with the green screen. Grunion Pale Ale works great with the uh, green screen. So, uh, Grunion Pale Ale, in some places they call it the Grunion IPA for some reason. It is a hoppy um, pale ale, though. Perfect, perfect beer for the hot weather. I don't know about where you are, but it is supposed to be hot as heck here in san diego for the next five days um so i think i'll try and get on the water tomorrow um i uh, mentioned some stuff for that i was selling some stuff i ended up selling a couple of krakens uh i have sold the power pole so if anybody's looking at the power pole i did i did manage to sell that already so no longer available um and I hate selling stuff. I, I hate selling stuff on Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace and all that. The uh, things I've had to deal with. People are crazy. People are freaking crazy, I think. Um, so I try to avoid it. But got to make a few bucks here and there. Got a couple of uh, comments here already. Liam, as always, joining us from Kayak Fishing Tales. How you doing, man? I appreciate you being here. Morat Sultan. Kalibas, I hope I'm saying that right. Hello, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Where are you joining us from? I appreciate everybody joining us. Uh, we do this every Tuesday and Thursday. Every Tuesday is uh, the Jackson Kayak Year, where we run episodes basically from season five on, and then uh, season one through four are uh, the Ocean Kayak Year. So I was with Ocean Kayak for a very long time, or your Throwback Thursdays, which is today. So uh, today's episode is from season two, and uh, it's a visit up to uh, going up to Northern California. Let me get this banner off because it's scrolling across the driving crazy. Um, of course, we like your questions. We like your comments. If you're watching this on a replay, not watching it live with us, please let us know because I always like to see how many people watch it later than just watching it live. Um, Today's episode, like I said, is uh, season two, episode eight. Get to fish with my good friend, Sean White, and his daughter, Paige. Uh, I was actually talking to Sean earlier, and he's like, Jim, why do you have me on the lamest episode we ever did? So <laughs> the thing was, it was such a fun episode. It's just the fishing was a little bit tough, as, as we kind of had in my last uh, show in Puerto Rico. But uh the thing is, we always have a good time and, and we always get to experience different places. And that was the cool thing about it. So uh, with no further ado, I'm going to bring on my good friend, professional snowboarder, Sean White. <laughs> I believe you got me confused with another Sean White. <clears throat> you shaved off the red hair. Yeah, the tomato look is, is definitely <laughs> the, Whenever I tell people, like, my good friend, Sean White, they're like, you know the snowboarder? I'm like, yeah, yeah no. No. <laughs> <laughs> Although I have seen you in with pictures of, with really long hair, I did at one uh, one point in my life have have a magnificent mane that has uh, <laughs> left me some some while ago. 
But in college, yeah, I had hair literally like to my belt back then, which is crazy to imagine. But that is crazy to imagine. My hair this long, I've got the full on long COVID hair going because I said I wouldn't cut my hair until I can travel again. But yeah, it, it's already driving me crazy. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, Sean and I always have a good time fishing together. Um, Sean uh, helped me guide. You may recognize this picture behind me, Sean, or oh sorry. yeah, uh, down in, in the East Cape. And uh, so Sean helped me guide a lot, and we've always had a great time fishing together. Um, we're I was going to run this episode actually last Thursday, and then you couldn't make it on here with me. And so I postponed because I really wanted you, I mean, sometimes I'll run these by myself, but I really wanted you on this episode, mainly because uh, you're so knowledgeable about that area and how things have changed actually so much since we went there, yeah. particularly the, um, the Mendo. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it was known as what? It was a great striper fishery at one time. It was an unbelievable striper fishery. It wasn't even good or very good. When Mendo was at its peak, it was not uncommon to catch 20 fish a day, all of them at least eight, 10 pounds. And you would go out there. The first time I'll never forget, I took Paul Leibowitz out there and he, he was just like mind blown. He's like, I fished a lot of freshwater spots. There's nothing this good I've ever seen. You would get in the evenings, in the spring and in the fall, you would probably get a good solid hour and a half of busting fish on top and you would just chase boils all night long. And um, there's never been anything more motivating for me to kayak fish and just running down stripers on top. It's so fun. And it was close to your house. I literally 10 minutes from my house. So uh, me and my son, when he was young and Paige, <clears throat> when that fishery was really cranking, it was not uncommon for us to hit it about 50, 50 times a year. Wow. So yeah. what happened? What? what yeah, I, so basically the, the salmon and steelhead in the river below the dam uh, became listed as um, threatened and endangered. And then uh, someone made the connection that stalking giant pacivorous non-natives above them was probably not a great idea. <laughs> so we... Uh, I used to belong to the California Striped Bass Association and we, we were no longer able to get a permit to stock the lake. And the lake is not big enough that they can naturally reproduce. So, um, you know, the volume of fish in there has, has really petered out. That said, um, if you're patient and know what you're doing, you can still catch some really nice fish out of Lake Mendocino. You don't get the, uh, the volume that we used to get but the quality now is actually better than it was then. There, there would be some years where fish would get kind of snaky. They'd start out stripping the bait supply in the lake. Um, that's not a problem anymore. So the ones that are left are, are really spectacular. But they're not breeding. Nope, they're just old holdovers. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, we got a couple other comments here. People checking in saying hello. Uh, Mark from Fife in scotland how wow. cool is that that is That's awesome really cool thanks man uh oh murat is actually in turkey oh that is super that cool. this is the coolest thing about doing this man we get viewers That's from great. all over the world yeah. and, and of course here's one we both know your good buddy caesar defranco i do i love caesar yeah awesome we have some great pictures of you helping him land striped marlin down in uh yes down in east cape and uh 
So Caesar, thanks for joining us, man. I really appreciate it. I love Caesar. Donald, how are you? I appreciate you being here. Pam Worth, thanks for uh, joining us as always. Jay Sanders, this is my good friend in New Zealand. Uh, we're trying to figure out a way to get back to New Zealand and shoot there again. Oh, and uh, Caesar says, uh, hello, Sean. Good to see you. Goatee is gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, my my signature chin beard is currently missing in action. Well, mine's going double, so. Yeah, yeah. You, sure, you took it over. <laughs> so um, with no further ado, uh, like I said, I believe in this episode because I just kind of skimmed through really quick. Uh, I haven't watched the whole episode in years and years. Me. Um, I believe we started out in Mendo and then we did the really cool part. The most frustrating part was uh, heading up river, but we'll talk about them when we get to this commercial. So with no further ado, let's get this episode rolling. This week on the Kayak Fishing Show, I'm hooking up with my good buddy, Sean White, for an adventure in Northern California. You wouldn't know you could have such fun in your own backyard. We're going to hit the water with a young master angler in search of striped bass, and then Sean and I are going to take a trip down the Klamath River and see if we can find the massive salmon that lie beneath the cold whitewater. Stay tuned. This one is literally off the hook. Because there were no fish on the hooks. After <laughs> <laughs> of any sport, you inevitably find someone pushing the limits. While kayak fishing has been exploding in popularity, Jim Sammons has been doing just that. Uh, yeah, look at these. Nice. From the seat of his ocean kayak, Jim challenges the world's top game fish and puts his kayak fishing skills to the ultimate test. Never fought a kayak, have you, fish? From freshwater to saltwater, Jim's mission is simple, to discover the best fishing destinations in the world and prove that anything is possible from a kayak. The Kayak Fishing Show is brought to you in part by Ocean Kayak, makers of the Trident series of fishing kayaks. Ex Officio, clothing for the adventurous spirit. Scotty, the way to fish. Standard Horizon, nothing takes to the water like Standard Horizon. Maui Jim, eliminate glare, turn up the color. Yakima Rack Systems and Trailers, take it easy. And the Heliconia Press, cutting edge outdoors media. This week on the Kayak Fishing Show with Jim Sammons, Jim heads to the Sonoma wine region of Northern California, where he's hooked up with Sean White, a longtime kayak fishing outfitter in the area. The plan is simple, 
Sean's going to show Jim some of the best kayak fishing spots that Northern California has to offer. We've come up to uh, Northern California to visit my good friend Sean White, and um, we had all kinds of different plans what we were going to do on this trip, one of which was to go fishing offshore, do some abalone diving, rock fishing, maybe albacore. Well, of course, we get up here, and it's just cranking big surf offshore and uh, really windy. So we came to uh, Mendocino Lake. It's right about 10 minutes away from Sean's house. And it's a very good striped bass fishery. So we are dragging around some live baits and uh, see if we can get ourselves a striped bass. I've never caught a striped bass. So uh, it seemed like a really good fallback plan and it's a beautiful little spot. So I'm gonna go out here and uh, see if I can put one on the boat. In 2001, Sean was forced to sell his powerboat and so bought his first kayak as a temporary measure. Little did he know that the purchase would lead to an addiction to kayak fishing. And two years later, Sean and his wife Leah started the Great White Kayak Company, an outfitter that helped new kayak anglers get into the sport and that provided guided kayak fishing trips to the world-class fisheries that surrounded them. The very first kayak I bought turned out to be really kind of a horrible kayak, but uh, it was one of many. I kept moving up the line, you know, I started out with a big, fat, wide, inflatable kayak and worked my way up to sleeker boats and bigger boats. And as uh, things progressed, I actually formed a relationship with some of the people I was buying boats from. Then I became a boat dealer. Then I had a guiding company and uh, I went from filling the gap as my wife described it to really being a business it's what my whole family did for vacation it really just became what what we did and who we are this one time my wife's friend was coming in through here to get into the house and she was with lee and the lady, the lady goes your husband has a lot of fishing poles Northern California is one of North America's prime fishing areas. A rough coastline makes it tough for anglers to fish much of the coast, but there are great rewards for those who make the effort, as the rockfish and lingcod fishing is out of this world. You'll also find salmon along the coast, but most anglers who are looking for salmon head up the rivers that pour into the Pacific during the spawn. And this is exactly where Sean is taking Jim. But before heading to the Klamath River, Sean has decided to take Jim on a freshwater adventure to Lake Mendocino in search of some striped bass. And who better to show Jim how to get Bendo at Mendo than Sean's 12-year-old daughter, Paige White. <laughs> yeah. What's going on, Paige? Where are we? Lake Mendocino. What are we doing today? Striper fishing. Right on. What's, what's the uh, premier method for striper fishing? How do you catch them? Uh, live bait. Stay tuned as Jim, Sean, and Paige set out for some big old stripers before heading on an epic journey up the Klamath River. I'm beginning to think stripers don't like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to blank there in that time frame is, is really tough luck. <laughs> yeah. And how old is Paige now? Uh, Paige is now 21. So when was this episode? Uh, 2010, I believe. I don't even remember. I like think I said, it, was. It, it was our second I, season, so yeah, a you know, long, at least ten years ago. Yeah, ten or eleven years ago. But yeah, she's twenty-one. <laughs> I, I hope she sees this. I hope you show it to her. So she can yeah, it'd be funny, right? She's definitely <laughs> aged much better than I have. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, 
is how's is the bass fishing and stuff in uh, Mendocino good or it is good. You know, there is a, a group of locals that hit it all the time. Um, green fish aren't necessarily my thing, but in the fall, I still go out there every year for the smallmouth. You know, largemouth I don't really enjoy, but I've always loved smallies. They're just so um, they're just feisty, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, smallie fishing there is still outstanding. No, yeah, I mean, I, if 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 I got a fish for bass um, of the freshwater variety, it's definitely going to be smallmouth. Um, I yeah. like them. I mean, the largemouth are impressive size-wise, but fight-wise, the smallmouth are just so they're, they're a lot like spotted bay bass, except that the smallmouth yeah. will, will jump. I mean, it's kind of bulldog get pulled down, and yeah. super super fun. And and Paige shows us how to do it here <laughs> as the as the episode yeah. continues. I guess I should put it up there. information about the Rack and Roll trailer, visit www.yakima.com. This week, Jim Sammons is hooking up with pro kayak fisherman and part-time guide, Sean White, to explore the Sonoma region of Northern California. First on the list is the local striped bass hotspot, Lake Mendocino. Lake Mendocino is a 2,000-acre reservoir that was created over 50 years ago with the construction of the Coyote Dam. Since that time, it's evolved into one of the best bass, catfish, and striper fishing lakes in the area. Uh, this is Lake Mendocino. It's on the East Fork of the Russian River, and it was built in about 1959. It's uh, pretty small lake. It's only about two miles long and about a mile wide. We're going up the river that actually feeds the reservoir right now. To help the guys get on to fish, they've invited one of the best Lake Mendocino anglers around, 12-year-old Paige White. <laughs> Together, Sean and his daughter Paige have won several local tournaments, and no one knows how to fish Mendo like the Whites. The biggest striper you've ever caught, Paige? I don't know. I don't keep track, I guess. I just catch so many. Kind of. It was bad back then. It's well, still bad. do some slow trolling for stripers using live bait. And... Uh, we're using golden shiners, nose hook, Carolina rig, real simple setup. We'll let out about uh, 80 or so feet of line. And with this setup, that'll put them down about 10 feet. That's pretty much where these fish hang out. aren't biting but one of the great things about mendocino is the diversity in the fish and so Paige decides to show the boys how to catch some of the lake's smallmouth i had the live wig on for a second folks yes come on oh yeah oh oh this trip's ruined now <laughs> <laughs> There's some huge catfish in Lake Mendocino. Is there? Oh, massive. I think the biggest one I caught was about 26 pounds. Really? Yeah. Yeah, there are some biggies in there. I love, I'm not a bass guy, but I just love small fish. Very feisty, beautiful little fish. Another nice one. 
10 miles bigger than Jim from yesterday, don't you think so, Will? Cute little monkey. <laughs> He's not that Boy, that little keel got a lot of use. <clears throat> that was a great kid's boat. Yeah, that was really good. So, well, I, I came over here and talked to Paige. Paige gave me a few tips, and uh, I, I, I listened really well, and I did what she was doing, and I caught myself a fit. You know, when you go to a new location, you always want to be, have a good guide. I got Paige. <laughs> oh! Oh, oh baby! That was a real emotional roller coaster for Jim because that fish would have put me in the lead. <laughs> and then it came off and he's all, oh, thank God. And then hey, it went you, back whoa, whoa, on. What do you mean it would have put you in the lead? <laughs> Catfish are not part of the um, target group, Jim. Over the last three years, Jim has been given the chance to fish in amazing places all over the world. The toughest part of the trip is making sure that you have all the gear you need. So this week, Jim gives you his tips for packing for a kayak fishing trip and this week's kayaking tip of the week, brought to you by Ocean Kayak, makers of the Trident series of kayaks and the new Torque, featuring a Minn Kota motor. Over the past four years, I've been very fortunate to go kayak fishing all over the world. Although it has been awesome, it hasn't been without its challenges. So today I'm going to pass on a few tricks that I've learned over my travels to make things as painless and productive as possible. Now, the first thing you need to do is gather as much information about the destination that you plan on visiting. In particular, you wanna investigate the kayaking conditions and the species available. Now, with the growth of kayak fishing around the world, you'll find that most kayak fishing communities have an online presence. Ask a question on one of their forums and you're bound to get more information than you'll ever need. I've found that kayak anglers all over the world are just as passionate about the, the sport as we are and love to share that information with others. With the information you've gathered, you're gonna be able to give yourself a good gear list so you'll be prepared for your trip. Since traveling with your fishing kayak is pretty much out of the question, you'll need to hook up with a resort or outfitter that has kayaks. It's pretty hard to expect that a kayak rental shop or a resort that you're staying at is gonna have kayaks fully rigged for fishing. That's why I always bring my own seat, because then I know I've at least got the two rod holders that are built into it, so I'm gonna be ready to fish on any kayak they have. I also always bring along my own Warner paddle. It just makes me that much happier on the water. Now you can bring along a four-piece paddle that'll fit inside your luggage, or I generally bring this two-piece paddle in a paddle bag, which I then strap to my rod tube. In most cases, that's only gonna count as one piece of luggage. Now, on the topic of rod tubes, some rod tubes are better for traveling than others. If you're hopping onto a small plane, an eight-foot rod tube can cause some major headaches. That's why I try to keep my rods in the six-and-a-half-foot range. Then I use a Plano jumbo rod case with wheels. Now, there's a couple of reasons I really like to use this rod tube. 
One is that it's telescoping, which means that I can adjust it to the length of the rods that I'm using, whether they're an eight footer or down to a six footer. Another reason I like it is that it's very large in diameter. So I can also wrap my clothes around my fishing rods to protect them. Since most airlines let you check two pieces of luggage without a, a hefty surcharge, this works great because it leaves my other bag free to carry my kayak seat, fishing tackle, PFD, and other odds and ends. On top of that, by wrapping the clothes around the rods, it gives them a lot of protection. Now in my carry-on luggage, I generally carry my reels, electronics, and any other important items I don't want to get lost, including an extra set of clothes. If you're going to be bringing a uh, fish finder or bait tank, you want to make sure you pack those batteries in your uh, checked baggage. I also, for my carry-on, I use the Shimano bait tank, so I've <laughs> also got a bait tank with me if I need it. One of the which I help make. Great smelling carry-on. <laughs> yeah, right. Fishing guide for the area, even for just the first day. The information you'll gather from them about how to fish the area and what bait to use, where to locate they, that fish can make a huge difference. Well, I hope these little tips help you out on your next kayak fishing adventure. Until next time, I'm Jim Sammons. I will say, uh, I, on those tips, <laughs> I don't wrap my clothes around my rods anymore. This is pre-PSA, I mean. Yeah, it, it was really pre-things yeah. getting really nutty. Yeah. And they would invariably take them all out. They wouldn't put the lid back on. I'd have clothes hanging out of the rod too. I remember. And then the other thing is with the adjustable rod tubes, I ended up having to put a bolt in there and making it so they couldn't remove the bolt. Yeah. Because otherwise, I, in several occasions, had them make the rod tube shorter, sometimes longer, which isn't so bad. But several times they had, it, had to make it shorter than the rods that were in there. <laughs> so yeah. get, get home and I'm missing this much of the rod. So yeah. um, if you do use one of those type of rods that can expand, make it so they can't expand it because although they're designed to be opened on the end invariably they open it in the middle and just stuff is everywhere it's just everywhere. <laughs> i remember during that era we were experimenting also with some travel rods that had mixed results trying to escape the rod tube right right and it, it's so hard to find a really good travel rod um, i have some fox travel rods that were pretty good um I've had some others that have exploded. Um, yeah. I think Akuma had some that were okay. Yeah, I had the Akuma Nomad and was probably the best travel rod I had experienced in that era until I went to take it apart and it wouldn't come apart. And um, most of the other ones wouldn't stay together or they weren't strong. And the Akuma one was like, I'm a one piece now. <laughs> <laughs> right. I actually had uh -uh, and it was just like a unit. Yep, I had that happen in, um, I was in Panama. A rod would not come apart. I couldn't get it apart. I know that they've been ice pack on there. A lot of times you can get them to come apart, but yeah, we're in the heat of Panama. It was, I had to leave the rod there because I didn't have any way to bring it home. Yeah, I think <laughs> I finally got it apart. I don't even remember how, but it was, it was crazy. I had one explode, not, not a, not an Okuma one, but I had a different brand that also just first real load on it just exploded here's that here's actually a funny one comment from my friend jay in uh new zealand back in the day when forums were a thing yeah right, right? <laughs> now it's all you go to their facebook page or, or whatever yeah. 
Yeah, totally. <laughs> but everybody had, I think in San Diego, in San Diego so, alone, we had seven kayak yeah. fishing forums. Oh, yeah. I had one. Um, and, and finally, I just like, yeah, I didn't even feel like dealing with it anymore. And Caesar, of course, I bring sunscreen. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could pull up that photo. <laughs> we have a great photo of Caesar. Um, I think he has holding up the marlin or whatever, and he is just, his face is just white. <laughs> from, actually, from just the best striped marlin we ever caught down there for a client. And uh, I think Caesar thought he was prepared for what that meant, um, but there's just not a walleye that can get you ready for uh, a big fat striper. Right, right. Caesar being from Canada. <laughs> Edgar, how are you, man? Thanks for joining us again. So with no fruit, let's keep this thing rolling. And we'll see you on the water. For more tips and your chance to win Oops. a fantastic kayak fishing package that includes an ocean kayak. And this, uh, turn kayak, this thing doesn't exist anymore. Clothing. This was years ago. Kayakfishingshow.com. Um, I caught two smallmouth and then we went to a few other places. And Jim got a smallmouth. After a great morning outfished by Paige again. I should actually pause this because this did set a trend. I mean, Paige yeah. outfished me several times. Yeah, and and myself as well. You know, um, Paige has always uh, and my son as well. Both both of those kids have always just had an absolute fervent love for for fishing and to this day you know Paige is, is a much girlier girl these days but if I they say the ocean's flat and she's got the day off she's coming over <laughs> well we have a, I have a great photo of her with a really nice size yellowtail from just a few yeah. years ago yeah. down here where I think she caught the only yellowtail on the boat okay. <laughs> so let's let's see how your uh, former partner shows us how to um Oh, that's right. Yeah. I believe we cooked this catfish. Yeah. <laughs> we start with a blend of um, cayenne pepper, regular pepper. The former Mrs. White. Salt, uh, paprika. And blend that together. Add in flour. And then add in one egg, a little bit of oil, and beer until the whole thing turns into like a sticky... Um, the boys get up early the next morning for the next leg of their adventure. Today they're headed up the Klamath River, whose clear mountain waters flow southwest through Northern California and the Cascade Mountain Range. Once the third most productive salmon river in the U.S., the salmon population on the Klamath has been dramatically impacted thanks to the construction of dams, which have caused warmer water temperatures and have reduced the flow volume of the river. But come fall, the river seems to teem with spawning king salmon, and that's what Jim and Sean are on this mission to find. The adventure starts at the Klamath River Landing, where they hook up with Captain Rich of Klamath River Jet Boat Tours for a shuttle up the river to Rivers West Lodge. Stay tuned as Jim and Sean head out on the hunt for some classic Klamath King Salmon. The kayak fishing show is brought to you in part. Okay, so before we get that part running, I mean yeah. that little jet boat ride 
was worth the price of admission right there. I that, completely that's, agree. You know, so me and my guys, we used to do this trip every year. Uh, and <clears throat> so fun, you know, Rich would take us up the river about 30 miles. And over the years, me and you piled kayaks on some boats that really weren't very good for piling boats, kayaks on. That jet boat was the ultimate mothership. I mean, that thing had, we had, I forget how many kayaks we piled on there. We can count. We had my little drift boat on top of that. That's we had, right. We had gear for days and everybody still had plenty of room. It was crazy. Rich has since retired. He doesn't run that operation anymore. Um, and I don't even think the lodge is open anymore. So, um, Oh really? The one we run up to? Yeah. Rich owned that as well. And I, I don't wow. know if when he sold the jet boat practice, uh, you know, the operation that he sold the lodge as well. I'm not really sure, but it's all changed hands. And I, I don't think that, I don't think this trip exists anymore, which is, is really sad because it was, uh, it was a, that lodge and you'll, you'll see as it runs here and uh, the lodge is super cool, quaint little place. And, Oh, uh, you know, we would stay at the lodge a couple of days and then shove off and spend half a week drifting downriver. Um, always a very, very fun and really relaxing trip. Yeah, it was how uh, so you obviously haven't done it in a while. Um, I mean, yeah, uh, is the fishing still? I mean, you know, the salmon runs up there still any good? The Klamath is always um, pretty hit or miss depending on the year class, you know. So some years it will still be amazing. Other years it will be really pretty dead. And the last few years, especially on the back end of the droughts of the 14, 15, have not been terrific. But I heard last year was better than anticipated. And the ocean fishing up here this year is for salmon has been very good. So I would expect it to be pretty excellent this year. Yeah. I hear the, uh, the great white fishing up there has been fantastic. The great white population up here is a real thing nowadays, you know. I have been fishing in this neck of the woods for 30 years, and it used to be a real novelty if you saw one. Not not a novelty anymore. There's yeah. A lot, there's a lot of them around. Yeah, we saw, um, I think I shared it with you, was a, a guy got, as he said, he felt like the shark was smoking his uh, kayak like a cigar. <laughs> And I, I would say in the same number, there's been at least three or four attacks there in the last three or four years. So that is not an unregular occurrence. That spot is is a known location. Shark shield. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, one of the guys I know that moved up there, that was uh, he got he got bumped almost right away. And he that was that was his first purchase. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think if I fished up there on a regular basis, I would always have that thing on out there because that's a, that's a little bit sketchy. But like I said, I, I think what we, we did mention right at the very beginning, I mean, the whole plan of the trip, because you do have great fishing. Unfortunately, you don't have the abalone anymore because the plan was to go do some abalone diving yeah. and some fish for uh, lingcod and shallow water rockfish and all that. And I mean, you guys got such a great fishery up there, but yeah. You know, the, the abalone, I mean, I've had abalone with you up there several times and you brought it yeah. down here. I mean, oh, yeah, that's a shame. I mean, we got we had our abalone season shut down forever ago. Yeah, um, dearly. And what have you guys been now? Three years or something? Yeah, I think it's been about three years. Um, and this year is really the first year that I've, I've started to see our kelp come back. I was I was on the coast last weekend and <clears throat> 
I mean, it, there used to be some years it was just a solid mat. You know, you couldn't even really get through it. And the last five years or so, there's hardly been any, and it's it's finally starting to to make a comeback. Uh, is that a warm water thing or a sea urchin thing or a... it is a six starfish thing, you know, so we have one large starfish um, called Pycnopodia and it's like a very predatory starfish. That starfish got a cootie. So that population kind of died off and sea urchins, their favorite food exploded and they just grazed the kelp down to nothing. And then that was combined with a couple of years that weren't great for kelp. So we had this big pop population explosion of things that love to eat kelp, um, nothing to eat those and bad years for kelp and together it just wiped it out. And that's what abalone eat. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, did you, I guess have, cause what we had down here was that withering. Yeah, no, it's not withering. These were just literally starving to death cause there was no food. Um, oh, interesting. And the last time I went diving um, you know, I had been going to one spot that I, I go a lot out of in my skiff and there was still a pretty good patch of kelp there and the abalone were just huge and thick. And I went with some of my peers to a spot different than that, but that I used to go to a lot cause it was too rough in that spot that day. And we went into this little protected cove where all my kids got their first abalone and it used to also just be loaded as a remote spot and they were all dead. And the really? last... The last few that were left were literally crawling up the walls, trying to get to just the last little remaining bits of algae they could find. It, it was crazy. I'd never seen anything like it. It was very sad. Wow. Wow. I had not heard uh, the whole story behind it. Um, hopefully yeah. with, the, with the closures and all that, it comes back. And I hope it's not the same as down here. Because once they close it, they, it never opens back up. Yeah. Yeah, Fish and Wildlife's not great at reopening. They're amazing at closing. I have very little hope that it will ever reopen. Yeah, uh, that's a shame because they are delicious and just fun to go diving for. I, I used it's to really a great enjoy. experience. You know, a lot of folks experience the ocean from the top side, but it is an entirely different experience to put your face in it and get underneath. And I saw a lot of cool things abalone diving that had nothing to do with uh, catching an abalone. It's yeah. fun. I get it. I get it. So let's uh, let's continue with this episode. By Ocean Kayak, Ex Officio, Scotty. The Kayak Fishing Show is brought to you in part by Standard Horizon and their new HX851 handheld floating VHF radio with GPS. Nothing takes to the water like Standard Horizon. Welcome back to the Kayak Fishing Show with Jim Sammons. This week, Jim is hanging out with his old friend, Sean White, and the two of them are on their way up Northern California's Klamath River in search of some hard-fighting salmon. A 20-mile jet boat ride with Klamath River Jet Boat Tours has taken the guys to Rivers West Lodge, a gorgeous and remote wilderness lodge best known for its world-class salmon and steelhead fishing. Deep in the redwood forest, Rivers West Lodge is the ultimate getaway for anglers and families. Even people that don't necessarily want to fish can come here and just kick back and relax because it's such a beautiful spot overlooking the river. Yeah, that was a lovely spot. Ah, Becky. You have, the, you have the main lodge and then you have several outbuildings. Three cabins down below and a suite. 
we call the cabin or the honeymoon suite for people that like to be more private. And the lodge has three rooms and there's three cabins down below which have their own bathrooms. I mean, look at this. I, I just slice of heaven. We're going to just come up here on our own, dude, and get our squat on. <laughs> the start of another fun adventure, huh? I'm going to say to Becky. To Becky. To the Becky, girl, the meat After steak. After an amazing meal and a great <laughs> night's sleep, it's time to hit the river. The guys plan to fish their way back downstream while making camp along the side of the river for the night. Loaded up with row and ready to go, the guys begin their drift down the river. The good news is the salmon are jumping. To catch the finicky salmon takes special gear and special bait. Luckily, Sean White is here to tell you what you need to catch NorCal salmon in this week's kayak fishing tip. Brought to you by Maui Jim. Eliminate glare, turn up the color. So for this kind of thing, this, is a, this river is a barbless fishery. Uh, but for salmon and steelhead in general, you want a nice, long, kind of whippy rod. So we use rods around eight and a half or nine feet long, like these uh, Daiwa Heartlands that we have here uh, on a bait caster. The bait caster is really nice because as the river gets deeper or shallower, you can free spool it and let more line out so you'll be on the bottom or bring it up so you don't have too much line behind you. And on the terminal end of things, we have a sliding sinker. Uh, that's sort of a snag pre-design. They call it slinky, which is basically just some parachute cord filled with lead shot. And then on the terminal end, we have a, uh, a Mustad side drifting special, which is a light wire uh, octopus style hook, but it's light, uh, light wire because you want to be able to make your uh, bait float up off the bottom. So we have row on the end on this light wire uh, Mustad hook, and then either a puff ball, which is just a little circle of styrofoam, or today I'm using a spinning glow, which is like a cork spinner uh, that adds a little flash, but it also keeps the bait just boiling off the bottom because that's where these fish hang out. So well, we're fishing with roe, which is a really, really soft bait. And to get it to stay on, just a hook is nearly impossible. So you use a special snelling uh, setup. Either it's either called the egg loop or some people call it the bumper knot. And it basically has a little loop on it. And you push the leader through, get the, the loop big, put your bait on the hook, and then kind of tuck your uh, bait under the loop and cinch it tight. And just that extra resistance keeps it on. For more tips and your chance to win a fantastic kayak fishing package that includes an Ocean Kayak Trident Fishing Kayak and Ex Officio Clothing, visit kayakfishingshow.com. And Blue Creek is a small tributary to the Klamath. It's sort of famous for having cold, clear water and fish here. Normally, this water is about 5 to 10 degrees uh, warmer than stuff coming in from Blue Creek. So as the fish come upstream, they're looking for a good place to hang out in that plume. What is that? Is that place. That's a sculpin. Empty-handed after their first day on the water, the guys make camp and contemplate new approaches for the following day. The next morning, the boys emerge from their tents, chug a coffee, and hit the drift once again. Well, I'm going to pause that right there just because, yeah. um, I, of course, Will doesn't shoot at night or anything like that. That night, that campsite was amazing. Yeah, we had we had incredible food. Yeah. I remember boar chops. Yeah, we brought a whole beast feast. I think we had elk uh, backstrap. We had wild boar chops, and then we had one other thing. But yeah, we had quite the wild fare that night. 
I had I had board chops a la sand. Yes, I believe that's right. Yours yours may have gotten dropped on the beach a little bit. <laughs> but we also woke up the next morning and there were bear tracks on the beach. Oh yeah, a lot of bears mm -hmm. in that neck of the woods. Oh, yeah, wow. it was. Uh, like I said it was just such a cool place. Now, um, it is it surrounded by native Indian land. Yeah, that is a, a lot of uh, tribal land in that area. Um, at that time, when we were there, the mouth of Blue Creek was actually owned by a timber company called, uh, I believe, Green Diamond. and uh, But it's now, I do believe, belongs to the Yurok tribe. I think they uh, bought it from uh, Green Diamond. Is there uh, conflicts? Uh, no, I don't think so. You know, um, it... The Klamath is definitely a little bit of the Wild West, regardless of who owns the property, you know. And uh, over the years, I've seen uh, a lot of sketchy behavior up there from pretty much every cross-section of the population. <laughs> you need to be self-sufficient. We had one year that was starting to tee up a little bit like deliverance. I was really glad to have uh, a couple of police officers in our drift group that were also on the SWAT team. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it can get sporty up there for sure. I, I believe this trip was also the one where the saying, what was it? Snowballs are for winners? <laughs> Fruit pies, I think. Fruit pies. Fruit pies are for winners. Yeah, we had, we had a bunch of uh, snacks for Will, and he wouldn't share them until someone caught a salmon. And the thing that was so frustrating about this trip is the river was thick with salmon that year. They were literally jumping, remember? I mean, you they were all around us, but they just had lockjaw. And yeah. I, I kept thinking, you know, we were doing something wrong and we were just gonna finally find the presentation that was gonna make it turn on for us, you know? And then I will never forget, we saw, we ran into this guy named Mick Thomas, who is, this is just the, the legend of, the clam he's been guiding there as long as we've been alive and i i went and talked to him and he's like i haven't caught a fish in three days so i was like oh we're we're screwed <laughs> <laughs> if mick thomas is shooting zeros we're we're done and uh, that that is in fact what happened <laughs> yep uh but let's let's continue watching uh, our struggles yeah it was still like you said Really, oh, it's, trip. It, it was an amazing trip. Like I said, I mean, I, I've had a lot of trips that were amazing fishing. I've had trips that were tough fishing and frustrating and just driving nuts. And then you have ones that it just, you had a tough trip, but it was still a blast and you laughed your butt off the whole time. And absolutely, this was definitely one of those. So let's uh, let her play out. The elusive salmon. Of course, we always want to catch fish, and these fish are taunting us. You know, they're jumping all around us, but not a bite. All the guides we spoke to were saying how tough it was. They weren't getting any fish. So uh, we were right on par with everybody else. <laughs> Popcorn. <laughs> yeah, look at this. little, little younger year. The adventure comes to an end as the guys see their takeout. It looks like the spawn is over and the fish are scattered, as even the local guides are pulling off the river empty-handed. It was reassuring to know that even the guides that worked this place for a living were struggling. But it is always frustrating to be surrounded by jumping fish <laughs> and not get a bite. I mean, literally every place we stopped, 
they were salmon rolling, jumping, twitching. <laughs> They're pretty much doing everything but biting. While we were fishing on the Klamath River this year, we were really happy to be using the Daiwa Zillion Coastal bait casting reels. The Zillion Coastal has hyper speed with a 7.3 hyper speed. Ratio, so you're picking up a ton of Whoa. line on each one. <laughs> and Coastal isn't just its name, this thing was built for the harsh saltwater environment. You can see all of Daiwa's great products at Daiwa.com. The Klamath River proves once again that one of the best things about kayak fishing is the camaraderie and connecting with the great outdoors. Although a few more fish would have been nice, the Klamath provided the guys with the trip of a lifetime. I think we've said it before is it comes down to the people you're fishing with. And I mean, we had a ridiculously tough fishing trip here, but the scenery was incredible. The people were awesome. I don't remember the last time I had so much fun. The fish are on again next week when the kayak fishing show returns as we head to Costa Rica on the hunt for sailfish, roosters, and big old blue trevally. That's more my style. Honey, I can't sleep. I'm full of energy. Let's have sex. Or I want to go fishing. <laughs> Wear a sweater. <laughs> it's <cold> out there. <laughs> A classic guiding joke. <laughs> uh, let me stop this thing so I don't hear it in my head. Uh, great memories, man. <laughs> yes, it was. It's crazy. Like so many things in that trip either don't exist anymore. Even just looking at like the resolution of the video Will used to shoot back then. You know what I mean? It's so right. So much has changed. It's pretty crazy. Well, every destination we would arrive at. I don't know why he didn't do it in advance, but every destination we would arrive at, he would have to go to Walmart and buy mini DV tapes. Oh, I remember. Yeah. Because it wasn't all, you know, digital, you know, cards and all that. It was yeah. Everything on mini DVs. Yeah. No Amazon back then. Nope. No. Yeah. I, said, I said, I don't know why he never did it in advance, but he, he would show up somewhere and like, oh, we need to go to Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. Um, downtown D says, interesting stuff, you too. I appreciate the live stream. Cheers from Texas. Well, thanks for joining us, man. We certainly have fun doing this. Uh, Michael, very funny. Something was very funny. Michael is actually uh, in Australia. Nice. So, like I said, we got the worldwide audience. Tune it in for the Kayak Fishing Show live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sean, I realize it's been too long since we fish. I, I should be heading your way soon. Yes, I was just about to say the exact same thing. The water yeah. is definitely warming up. The fish are definitely. Hey, you know what? I heard something uh, from Matt Moyer yesterday. Something really wild happened um, off the coast here yesterday or the day before. They spotted a whale shark. Oh, wow. That is. Yeah out of bounds right there that's crazy that is crazy i've never ever heard of them moving this far up and that, that's amazing of course i would love to see that but uh yeah sean get your butt down here let's go fishing and uh until then um i'm sure we'll be chatting we always do <laughs> we always do <laughs> <laughs> all right brother thanks a lot man it was nice a lot of fun. You, man. thank you for the invite hey, it was really fun. and uh 
tell Paige, hey. I will. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Well, thank you everybody so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Again, if you did watch this as a replay, not watching it live, please make a comment there so we know um, who's watching it replays and who watches it live. I always like to kind of have an idea what's going on with that. Uh, Caesar, good evening to you as well. And I would love to have our paths cross again one day. Maybe if I ever start guiding down in Mexico again, we can get you down there. Although I don't know if that'll happen. <laughs> Anyway, I do appreciate everybody who joins us every every week. Remember, we do these every Tuesday and Thursday at this same time. So if you are going out on the water this weekend, I know it's going to be crazy. Big holiday weekend. So please, please be very, very careful. Be safe. Never assume that boats see you. You know, take your responsibility for yourself. Always wear your PFD and keep your paddle right side up. Y'all take care.